The website of Crossing Broad is so insignificant. I've got good news and bad news for you on a Thursday morning. The bad news will start with that first. It's snowing again. It's snowing for the fifth time uh, in the last two weeks, which means we're all going to be shoveling again. But the good thing, here's the good news. The Philadelphia Union have finally made a transfer. We've been waiting for a move for, what, three months now, four months now? It seemed like forever, but they are moving for Stuart Finley, 25-year-old Scottish left-footed center back to replace Mark McKenzie, who is in Belgium right now, playing for Genk and doing well over there. So joining us to talk about it is Barry Anderson, football writer from The Scotsman uh, and The Edinburgh News, to talk about Stuart Finley. Barry, how are you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Yeah, I'm fine, Kevin. Thanks very much for having me on. Now, you are located in Livingston, uh, which is between Glasgow and Edinburgh. But I have to say real quick before we get started that uh, to my to my followers that Edinburgh is uh, my favorite place uh, that I have ever visited outside of the United States. Um, you get off the train, you look up and there's this massive castle just sitting there. And I'm sitting there when I, when I saw that, I'm like, wow, this is something that you would never ever see in the United States. I think the oldest building, the newest building that you guys have in Edinburgh is probably older than the oldest building that we have here in the entirety of this country. Yeah, it attracts so much uh, tourism, Edinburgh in general, and not just because of the castle, but the, the whole old town is so sort of medieval, a lot of it, and very, uh, very cultural. Um, I actually have a my sister stays in Australia and she visited a couple of years ago with her, with her boyfriend who had never been to, to Scotland, never been to Europe and was as fascinated by Scottish culture and castles and all that sort of stuff. And he was just blown away by it. Um, so as if you get, if you get the opportunity to visit, definitely take it. Highly recommended. Anybody who's listening to the podcast, if you're in Scotland, or you're going to the UK, you're trying to plan a trip, put Edinburgh on it. That's the first city. Uh, that I would put on there. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not the tourism board of Philadelphia. We are the Always Soccer Philadelphia podcast. So um, Barry Stewart, Finley, uh, 25-year-old center back from uh, Kilmarnock, uh, came through the Celtic youth system. Um, what, what do you know about him and what can you tell us about him? Yeah, he's certainly a, a developing center back here in Scotland at the moment. There was a lot of interest in him from Scottish teams, English teams, because he's coming out of contract this summer. Um, but it looks like Philadelphia Union have stepped in and managed to steal a match on everybody. I believe they'll pay a fee to get him in the next couple of weeks. So uh, fair play to them. They've obviously spotted his potential. He's six foot three, which is one meter ninety, I think. Um, and it, in terms of his, his ability, you know, he's left-footed, very cultural, um, distributes the ball very well from the back. He's aggressive as well on top of that, which you get probably naturally with a lot of players from, from Scotland and the UK. Um, so he's got a lot of attributes, still a lot of improving to do, 25, getting him at a good age. So yeah, plenty of potential and, and a, a decent signing, I think, for, for Philadelphia Union. He had a, a lot of caps with the youth national team, and I think he has one with the senior team. Uh, he came through the Celtic youth setup. They sent him out on loan a couple times. I think he was with Newcastle for a bit, but I'm not sure he played for the senior team with Newcastle. He came back on loan. Um, what, what, what is his potential right now? Do, do you see him having the quality of being a, a senior national team player? He's probably very much on the fringes. He got, he's got one cap so far, as you mentioned, and one goal, um, which came a game against San Marino a couple of years ago when the national team, the Scottish national team, had quite a lot of injuries at the time. And that allowed him an opportunity, and he took it. To be fair to him, um, 
and, and has been a bit unlucky not to follow up. He's had some injury problems. He's been out the last, I think he's missed Kilmarnock's last five games with an ankle problem. Um, so he's kind of been in and out a little bit there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think long term, he's still got developing to do that. I think that's what probably what Philadelphia see in this signing is that although he's 25, he's a good age. He's got a decent amount of experience behind him. Um, but there's still room for improvement there. As you say, he went, went to England, tried Newcastle United, didn't really work. I think he made one first-team appearance in an FA Cup game. He's come back to Kilmarnock and his career's taken off at Kilmarnock. This has really been the platform that's that's launched him, if you like. So what can you tell us about Kilmarnock? Because, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, the average American soccer fan, football fan, Knows Rangers, knows Celtic. Um, familiar with Hearts and Hibs as the Edinburgh teams and, and whatnot. And, and we actually have a Scottish connection over here because the academy director, uh, Tommy Wilson, was involved with Rangers yeah. for a while before he came over here. There's always been a lot of American Scottish connections, especially going back early to um, the early days of MLS. There's a lot of Scottish coaches in the college ranks here. But um, we don't really know anything about Kil- Kilmarnock or how they play or, or, or what they are. So what can you tell us about them? Well, they've um, Kilmarnock were, did extremely well uh, in the last couple of years because they had the, the manager was Steve Clark, who's now the Scottish national team manager, and he's actually called up two or three players from Kilmarnock, like Stephen O'Donnell, the fullback, Eamon Brophy, who was a striker, uh, and Stuart Finlay had obviously already had his chance. Um, and Steve Clark worked wonders at Kilmarnock, you know, got them into European football, um, regularly went to Celtic Park and Ibrox and managed to get results against the odds, you know, with a with a squad that, that was assembled on a fraction of the price that the Celtic and Rangers squads would cost. So they did extremely well there. Since Steve left, they've been quite up and down and they recently changed manager again. Um, Alec Dyer took over from Steve Clark initially and he recently left and has been replaced by Tommy Wright, who is a Northern Ireland, uh, Northern Irish manager who did very well at St. Johnston. Um, and has been out of work for, for a few months now, certainly almost a year maybe. So they're, they're trying to sort of rebuild a little bit. Keeping Stuart Finlay would have been what definitely one of the things they would want to do. But I think Kilmarnock are realistic as well. They, they'll realise that keeping Stuart Finlay, given the, the kind of contracts that would have been offered to him or on offer to him from other... I mean, Hearts were one of the teams that were interested in him. Teams from England were watching him. He's obviously had interest from America. So they realistically they would know that he would be likely to move on. Kilmarnock aren't the tradition. They're a traditional club in Scotland. You know they've always been uh, one of the top flight teams. Um, good history, but they're not a Celtic or Rangers. They're not an Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts. So they tend not to attract as much attention for that reason as many media headlines. Um, and that again, as you say, that'll be why probably a lot of people in Philadelphia won't have won't have heard of Kilmarnock too much. Um, Barry, do you know anything specific about, I, not necessarily tactically with Kilmarnock, but I assume as a left-footed center back, he played LCB, the straight up back, um, four-man back lines, any, any three-man or three-five-two kind of stuff that they did? Mostly four. Certainly in the last three years, you would say they've been pretty much a straight back four uh, all the time. A couple of occasions, I think they've diversified. But yeah, Finley's used to play in a back four, left-sided uh, center back in a back four. Uh, he has played left back before, but I think that was more in his younger days. He's generally speaking, he's, a, he's an orthodox centre back. Um, I think he'll fit into the American style of play quite well because he, he likes to try and pass the ball out from the back. 
he's not one of these uh, risk takers who will try and dribble around the centre forward when he's the last man, things like that. He's <laughs> sensible and he keeps it he keeps it normal in that regard. Um, but he is comfortable with the ball at his feet and you, you do get time to do that in the MLS. So I think that side of it will suit him. He's also got an aggressive side. If I could, I mean, he's quite similar to, to Danny Wilson at Colorado Rapids in that mm-hmm. sense. You can give him the ball at his feet. He knows what to do with it. He's composed. But Stewart's probably got a bit more aggression on top of him, or probably more visible aggression, I would say, than Danny does. Well, that's good because the, the Union are a, uh, a 4-4-2 pressing team with an American coach and a German sporting director. So obviously when um, the, you know, the Germans are very efficient and very pragmatic in the way they like to play, there's a lot of Jurgen Klopp type of principles and what I counter pressing win the ball back, you know, the, the center backs last year were getting up on the uh, attackers inside their own half. Um, so it seems like he would fit um, just kind of based on what they like to do and what you would think of the, uh, a player like him. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way. Um, if, they're, if they're used to playing a flat back four uh, and they like the, the high press out of possession and they like, the, I don't know if they, they play a more kind of possession-based game, but it sounds like that. If that's the kind of uh, model you're suggesting, then yeah, it would certainly suit Stuart. I think it, initially you might have to wait and bide his time to get into the team, but again, because he's left-footed, I would imagine that could that could give him a chance ahead of other people. Yeah, we had we had the union manager Jim Curtin on the uh, show a couple months ago, and I, I remember he said that finding a left-footed center back or left-footed center backs are some of the hardest players to find right now. Um, you know, naturally the guy that they just transferred to gank was kind of ambidextrous almost and taught himself how to pass with his left, but he was naturally right footed. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious is what, what do you think about the move? And a 25 year old Scottish player, you know, hearts were reportedly interested and he comes to Philadelphia instead. We're not the LA galaxy. We're not Miami FC. We're not one of those sexy 70 degrees and sunny uh, on the beach kind of team. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on him going from Kilmarnock to Philadelphia? Um, well, he's based obviously in, in the Glasgow area, Stuart. So he, he knows, you know, he's going from a from a city there to another city, and going from you know Glasgow, Kilmarnock to Philadelphia. It's certainly a different environment for him, and a, and a great way to live, close to New York, obviously, and, and plenty plenty to do. So I think that side of it would definitely appeal to him. Um, as I say, he's tried England. England didn't work out. He could have gone down to England again. I don't know if he would have had offers in in the English Championship, but he would certainly have teams interested in a League One kind of level. He's obviously wanted to try something different. Um, I think he was offered a, a good contract and a decent signing on fee, which which was a factor um, in, in, in this move. So I think overall it's a, it's a different... Uh, people in this country, I've heard people write off the MLS in this country, and it's not something I really agree with at all because I think the standard in the MLS is very good. Technically, it's a very good league. Um, I would argue it's probably the, the, the level of technical ability in the MLS is better than what you have in the Scottish Premiership. The difference in the Scottish Premiership is generally the intensity and, and the overall aggression because sometimes that stifles the more creative players, let's be honest. Um, so that, again, might suit Stuart that you get just a little bit more time just an extra two or three seconds on the ball to look in the midfield and pick your pass out and play it um, if you're, as you're coming out from the back. I mean, so I think all of those things would have been in his mind. Um, 
and you know, when you're 25, he's probably got another 10 years, let's say, of his career left. So he could go to America for a year, two years, three years, and come back and still have plenty of time to, to play in Scotland, England, or, or somewhere else in Europe, indeed, if that's what he fancies. Well, I only got two more for you, Barry, and that segues into what I was going to ask next. You know, it's funny because I, I, you know, we've been trying to, um, trying to shake the, uh, uh, the retirement league uh, mm. stereotype over here. You know, because David Beckham comes over here, uh, Robbie Keane comes over here, Frank Lampard. You know, we get these guys who are in their thirties, and the running joke is like, you know, they're going to collect the final paycheck. They're going to sit on the beach uh, sipping of uh, margarita, right? And it's not about the football or the soccer. It's about the lifestyle or whatever. I think that's probably changed. Um, at least I don't think coaches and players look look at it that way anymore. I think maybe the average like fan in the UK might look at MLS as a lesser league. But, I mean, just in general, have, is that the, the gist that you get? Or have you seen a shift in how people look at the game in the United States now? I think there's a, a, probably a split in this country that some people, people again, if you watch it fairly regularly, must admit I, I, I'm not, I don't watch the MLS every week, but I, I do watch over the course of a season. I'll watch a few games. Um, and some people see that it's got, the, got quality, it's got a good technical level, good skill. It's not got the, the I suppose, the traditional British football feel where Stadiums are all sort of tightly packed. Obviously, not now with, with, with COVID, but and, you know, previously, stadiums are not tightly packed with, with fans hounding every player and shouting for every decision and, and that. So, you know, people like that in this country, and that's fair enough. Um, and there's not always that in the MLS, from what I see. But I don't think that's a reason to dismiss it at all because I think you, there's some really good players in, at that level, some decent Scottish players even at that level. You look at Johnny Russell, Lewis Morgan. You know, guys who've gone over there and, and done extremely well and, and stood out in that league at different times. Um, yeah. yeah, so the, the the general feeling, in, I think, probably in this country is that it doesn't match the Scottish game overall. Maybe, I suppose, fan passion, if you want to call it that, um, in, in, a, in an intensity type of way. But the actual football on the pitch, yeah, it's, I would say it's a higher level technically. Yeah, there's been a lot of success stories of, of Scottish players playing in MLS. Uh, Johnny Russell, you mentioned, Sam Nicholson, um, yeah. Lewis Morgan just came over. Uh, Kenny Miller had a couple good years in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, even even going back a long time ago. Mo Johnston and John Spencer were here. Um, yeah. Gary Mackay Gary Stephen was in New York City for a year. I, here's a question I, I would ask is um, from the other side of it, from our perspective, and you tell me if this is fair or not or if this is reasonable, but – we Americans have always kind of looked at Scotland and they see Celtic and Rangers, right? Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if because people were talking about Mark McKenzie and they're saying because Mark McKenzie was linked to Celtic and they were saying is Gank or Celtic the better landing spot? I think ten years ago everybody would have said it'd be awesome if you could transfer a guy to Celtic from Philadelphia Union because Celtic was thought of very highly. I, I feel like the Americans feel as though the Scottish league has dropped off a little bit beyond those top two teams, even Celtic and Rangers. Um, not the Champions League teams that they used to be. I don't know. Is that is that a fair way for us to look at it? That it's Celtic and Rangers, but there maybe aren't the two teams that they used to be. Um, it's a good question. I think generally, I mean, Rangers have been have been on this 
this rebuild over the last few years since the financial collapse. So, uh, and they're just getting back to a, a point where they they were before, you know, ready to win a league title, and uh, they're in the knockout rounds of the Europa League, which starts tonight, and uh, in, in Belgium. So. Yeah, there's, there's always going to be that gap in Scotland between Celtic Rangers and the rest. And I, and I don't think you'll ever close that. And you could argue it's, it will continue to widen because they're in regular European action throughout you know, group stages, whether it's Champions League, Europa League. So they financially they benefit from that and other teams don't. So yeah, there's always going to be that kind of gap there, uh, which is frustrating for everyone else that's trying to close the gap. And you, you, you do want to, uh, okay, the Celtic... If you're a Celtic fan and you're winning the league, or you're a Rangers fan and your team's winning the league, you don't want that competition as much. But I think for the overall good of the Scottish game, you know, you need a, a more level playing field, more level competition. But you've got such big fan bases there that you'll always have that gap. As to whether Celtic Rangers are the teams that they were, um, I think they're European, certainly Celtic's European um, exploits in the last few years have been pretty consistent and, and pretty decent. Um, for the again for the, the level of budget that they have and finances available to them in comparison to the other teams that they're up against. Um, and Rangers have, as I said, been slowly sort of regenerating after the financial collapse. So I think that they're both kind of getting back towards that level. All right, well, Stuart Finley, 25-year-old center back coming from Philadelphia Union to Kilmarnock. It's not official. It will be official at some point. We are excited Looking forward to having him on the team. Uh, we're excited that a move has been made at all after the pandemic and uh, the labor stoppage and whatnot. Uh, Barry, thanks for joining the show. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, looking forward to seeing Stuart here. If you want to follow Barry uh, on Twitter, it's at Barry Anderson. There's an underscore uh, at the end there, and you can find his stuff on the Scotsman and uh, the Edinburgh News. Barry, thanks for um, taking some time out. We appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. No problem. All right, let's see what you got for me. Questions, comments, concerns. I also asked if you would like to compare Carson Wentz to a current soccer player. So we got some replies on that. We'll start it off with Josh, who says, uh, how will the center back minutes shape up? It seems like Elliot went from unsung hero of the defense to back up uh, center back slash defensive mid. Yeah, and that was just kind of um, by necessity, you know, the fact that they had um, – you know, they're really depleted at the at the six and he had the experience playing it in college at West Virginia. So if they had to do that, it just made sense to go Elliott there and then Glessness and McKenzie at uh, the center back spots. But yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, if you listen to the podcast last year, we kind of bounced around from Elliott and McKenzie kind of being the group at the beginning that we preferred and that I preferred. And then at the end it was McKenzie and Glessness. Glessness had been playing better. I don't think Jack Elliott was playing any worse. So I still look at Glessness and Elliott as kind of the same player. I wouldn't even really say, you know, assuming Finley's uh, just as good as them, you could go a 1A, 1B, and 1C. I wouldn't really do like a 1, 2, 3 kind of thing. It seems like all these guys, without seeing Finley play necessarily, without doing a ton of research on him yet, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of um, a difference between those guys. So I think you're probably going to see it play out the same way it played out last year, right? You know, it might be Elliot and Glessness for a game. It may be Finley and Elliot for the next game. It may be Finley and Glessness. But, uh, and you bring in a, um, you know, a, a veteran fourth dude who can spot you if you need to. And I think that they have a really good um, 
approach to the to the center back position for sure. Um, let me see here. Coy uh, <laughs> Demmer says Carson Wentz says Eric Dyer uh, written all over him. Yeah, he's uh, yeah Eric Dyer not in favor right now. He gave up a, a bad penalty um, to Chelsea recently. Jose Mourinho uh, took him out of the squad. I guess I don't follow a lot of uh, Tottenham, but uh, he hasn't been. Uh, uh, exactly the, in the best uh, shape, the best confidence right now. Uh, Man on says, "Who has a better laser, uh, Carson Wentz or Harris Madunian?" <laughs> well, they, here's a here's a cross sport comparison. They like to they both love to throw that seam, right? Carson Wentz to Zach Ertz to Dallas Goddard. How many passes do we see Carson Wentz throw in between the hash marks or right on the hash mark? Yeah, that little seam route, that little like mesh concept where they run like one guy to the right, one guy to the left, and they sit a second or a third guy right in there in the zone. Harris Madunian used to play that little, like, like seam, like not even in the channel, like that kind of narrow uh, chip, like kind of over the top. I loved when he played that. It's kind of like right over the center back's head, like that narrow channel between the center back and the right back. And I loved watching Harris play. I know he was a defensive disaster, but he was such a unique, like a unique player that I that's why I bring him up a lot because I just enjoyed watching him play um Jared says what is the level of CONCACAF uh during the union's match at Saprissa oh god right we've never really had to experience uh this have we you know it's funny somebody mentioned um uh it might have been Rich I think his name's Rich um I think he's a regular listener and question asker. Um, he said, how many times have we talked about the union versus Saprisa in like a theory or a hypothetical, uh, champions league matchup. I think we've, we've talked about that like 15 or 20 times on the podcast before. So isn't it ironic to, um, <laughs> to that they finally, that they finally got there and that's the matchup. Go figure. Um, yeah, God, I don't know. You know, it's, it's funny cause I don't really know what the crowd situation is down there right now. I mean, is playing right now. So it's the thing. I just hate this because, you know, the union's season gets, the MLS season gets pushed back. Um, I think they're on like match day, like 11 or 12 in Costa Rica right right now. They're playing their clausura um, down there right now. Let me pull it up. Uh, Costa Rican Primera Division Klaus. Oh, okay, they're on match day eight. So by the time they get to... So let's go to the first game is on April 7th. Uh, first round, the first round is in Saprissa, and then the second round is going to be in Philly. Uh, so April 17th for the first round. Or I'm sorry, April 7th for the first round, April 14th for the second round. Um, Saprissa will already have played 16 games. So... And the union will have played, you know, basically not pretty much nothing. So that's the thing I don't like there. I, you know, I don't know what the fan situation is going to be. It would benefit them if um, fans weren't there because I think I think that's part of the experience playing in these uh, or these Concacaf road games is that the crowds are just crazy. So that would be the great equalizer if they could get in like that. I got to do some research on that and see what Costa Rica is doing right now. Um, Russ is comparing. Carson Wentz to Danny Mwanga or Danny Mwanger, as we would say. Um, David Von Funk says, now that Carson Wentz is out of Philadelphia, how much longer will the stations be talking about him? The answer to that is in, infinitely. Indefinitely. And they're still talking about Donovan McNabb right now. How long has McNabb been gone? 
like 12 years, 13 years. So talking about Andy Reid, how long has Andy Reid been gone? Nine years. They're going to be talking about Carson Wentz for the next 25 years. Are you kidding me? If Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb, and Brian Dawkins are brought up every day on Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio, of course Carson Wentz is going <laughs> to... It's going to be brought up. You imagine if he goes out and he tears it up in Indy next year. I'm like, God, the, the, I'll, I'll never yeah, never listen to the radio again if that's the case. Um, oh, this is, Here's a good comparison here. Yaz uh, at Seymour Butts with four Zs. Butts. Uh, he says Wentz and Kaku. That's a good comparison. I don't. I don't know if you guys have been following what's going on with with that and Red Bull. So, it, it basically it's this this it's a contract dispute, and uh, Major League Soccer and the Red Bulls won arbitration uh, to settle the saga. So basically, what happened was was Red Bull said that they exercised an option in his contract and said we're we're keeping you here. We have exercised this option. If you're gonna f- be here for another year, whatever the hell it was, right? He and his people said, well, you never told us that. So he thought he was a free agent and he went and signed with this, uh, like a club in Saudi Arabia or something like that, or Qatar or something. I don't even know what it's called. Um, so <laughs> Red Bull thinks that he's their player. He's not, I mean, he's with the other team now, I guess. And, uh, they're trying to find, a. um, you know, a way to make it work. So yeah, that's a good comparison, you know, cause you say contract dispute or not contract dispute, but kind of falling out between the parties involved and things go South and the dude's ready to move on. So yes, Kaku is Carson Wentz. Uh, Steve, the engineer asks, what is your favorite union kit and how, uh, does the new away kit rank? Uh, my, so my favorite union kit of all time, I think they only wore it once or only wore it twice because it was not a, um, it was not like a, how it's the word I'm looking at, not, not sanctioned or not approved, or it was not like an official uniform that they had back then. But in 2011, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, when they played Everton in the friendly and they wore the white shirts, but they wore them with the, the blue shorts and the white socks. Uh, so it was kind of like the shirt actually was kind of like a training top. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was their, like, I think it was their official training top because it wasn't, um, I don't know. You know, they did have the white, that's right. They did the white with the blue on the shoulders and then they had the blue shorts and the white socks. So if you, if you Google, uh, union versus Everton friendly 2011 or whatever that you'll see, what I'm talking about. That's my favorite kit by far. Like I like when the shirt matches the socks. I don't know why that's it, it sounds corny, but it's just my thing. Um, the other ones I liked were the, um, I like the Bethlehem steel ones, the black ones, um, with the, with the white shorts that they wore in the open cup final. And, um, that's about it. I don't know. I'm not a huge kit guy cause I'm like, colorblind anyway. So it doesn't really mean much to me. It could all, as long as I can see who the hell's playing, uh, works for me. Uh, Dr. Strange dupe says how big of a problem is player depth going to be with champions league cup campaign, possible U S open cup matches. It feels like squad rotation was not really a thing last year. Yeah, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much of that was the project was the product of, uh, you know, early on 
the MLS is back uh, games meant something because they were playing for a trophy. So obviously there was no incentive to change it up. Um, Jim, as the season went along though, it got more comfortable putting some different guys in there. Um, Fontana and Baizo started a bunch of games. So I, f- I feel like he's loosened up on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it does feel like a, a problem. I don't know. I, they got to add, they need to add some dudes for sure. Or else we're going to be like relying on the homegrown guys, like raw homegrown guys to play big games. And I don't, I don't think that's ideal. You know, they need some reinforcements. Uh, finally, here's two Wentz comparisons. Bro Rad says he's Pogba. And uh, Kevin says he's Zach McMath. Well, listen, um, all I can say, we'll, we'll end it on this note, another positive note. Just be thankful that the Philadelphia Union are not the Philadelphia Eagles right now. You know, if you had to say, uh, you take all the teams in Philadelphia, the quote-unquote four-for-four teams, and the Union, I, I think the Union are probably run the best out of all those teams. Isn't that crazy to think, considering how dysfunctional this team was just three, four, five years ago? You know, it's crazy how far they've come. The Eagles are a mess. Flyers are well run with Chuck Fletcher. The Sixers turned a corner with Daryl Morey for sure. Phillies, uh, you know, brought um, brought in Dave Dombrowski, and they, they've got Real Muto and Didi Gregorius back in the lineup. So, I mean, the Union are at the very top. The other three teams are pretty good, and the Eagles are a dumpster fire. So, you know. I'm smirking as I say that because I like the Eagles. I like football just as much as anybody, but you guys know it's it's always soccer in Philadelphia first and foremost.